Luke chapter 3, verse 7. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Luke. Those are the words of John the Baptist. Um, preaching in the wilderness, we left him. Remember, he's the voice in the wilderness. And uh, we're picking up right where we left off, which is what we do. Um, it occurred to me that the, this guy, no, no church would hire this guy. No church would hire John the Baptist today, which would suit him just fine because he's not really church staff kind of a personality. He's a little extreme. Um, he looked and, and sounded crazy, I think, probably to... He definitely looked and sounded crazy to anybody today. Um, he wore uh, clothes of camel hair with a big leather belt. Um, he ate locusts and wild honey. out in the, He lived out in the wilderness. Um, I don't know if that means he lived in a cave or if he had some kind of house out there. I have no idea. But that's where he lived and dwelt and had his ministry. Um, he, was in that, he had that Nazarite lifestyle, which means they never cut his hair, so his hair was really long and wild looking. He's like this old hippie preacher out in the desert. Um, he's not preaching for the money or position or power. Not when you talk like this, you're not. Um, and he said things like this. There was no smooth preaching, no soothing words. He did not tickle people's ears or tell people how wonderful they are or what winners they are. You know, he called them vipers, which is snakes. And he's saying, like, you guys are running from a brush fire. Um, let me read it again. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with your repentance. So he's telling the crowds that are coming out, because they heard him out there, He's calling them snakes, like getting, trying to get out from under a brush fire without changing their poisonous nature. He goes, you need to change. You need to bring forth fruits. And keep, yet, even with all this kind of hard edge to him, this craziness to him, uh, he's a prophet of God. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Um, he was doing what God wanted him to do. And he attracted thousands out into the wilderness to the Jordan to hear him and to be baptized by him. Uh, there was an authenticity to him, and there was an authority to his message. And just something to remember when you think somebody might be crazy, they might be speaking for God. So, Or they might be crazy. In this case, he was speaking for God. Verse 8, uh, like I said, bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. See, you can't say to us, you can't say to me, I'm good because I'm descended from Abraham. I'm part of the chosen race. I'm, uh, I'm the Israel of God, um, God's people, because I'm descended from Abraham. He says, nope, your lineage doesn't matter. You, need to, you still need to repent. You still need to turn. You still need to get yourself ready for God because he's showing up. Um, you cannot rely on your lineage. None of us can. I cannot survive the coming judgment because my parents knew God. I must repent and turn to God myself. Uh, that's the lesson there. In verse 9, even now, the, this is still John preaching, even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, John, he talks a lot about fire. He's a preacher of fire. We'll get back to that, but for now, it's just he's talking about judgment, the coming judgment, the end of the world, all of that. Um, John was definitely a preacher 
of fire. And in verse 10, and the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? So this voice in the wilderness is shaking people up. Um, he tells them, uh, Back in verse 9, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And that's why the people were like, what do we do? And, you know, they imagine this axe swinging to cut them down. I mean, most of us know that we are not ready to be judged. We all, we call it, we know this instinctively. We're not ready on any given day to be judged. You know, imagine the next door you walk through. You think you're walking into an office or a room or a building or your house. You open the door, and it's not what you expect. Instead, you're walking into a a throne room or a judgment scene where it's God and his counsel, and they're judging you. And it's just there in your face, and it's too late. There's nothing you can change. There's nothing you can do. You are now being judged on everything you ever did, every word you ever said, everything you ever thought, you know, thought and word and deed, you're being judged. Um, that's, what he's, that's what these people are feeling. They're, they're feeling the imminence of the coming judgment, and they're scared. John's got them scared. John's doing his job. Verse 11. Um, well, go back to verse 10, because the crowds were asking him, like, what do we do? You know, how do we fix this? Verse 11. And he answered them, whoever has two tunics... The tunic is just the long garment uh, worn under a cloak next to the skin, right? So um, anyway, not that that's important. But whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Share. Simple, right? Don't be selfish. If you see people that need stuff and you have stuff, you give them the stuff. (laughs) So don't be selfish. It's just like we teach our kids share. And John is saying, this is how you repent, people. Or maybe there is you know, a streak of selfishness running through people or whatever it was, which there is. Of course there is. John says, you've you got to take care of people that don't have stuff. That's, that's a sign. of That's fruit of repentance. That's you changing. In verse 12, he goes on. Uh, tax collectors also came to be baptized. Tax collectors came to be baptized. That's amazing. And said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he tells them. And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. <clears throat> he goes right after money with these next two ones, but he goes with tax collectors. Now, tax collectors, don't think of them as IRS agents. These are these are actually called tax farmers. Um, and they would make bids for a certain area to the Roman government to say, I'll collect your taxes for you. And they could collect... Anything, the Romans would say, okay, we want this much from this area. And they, would, they could collect that much, and they, since they had soldiers backing them up, they could collect more than that and as much as they wanted. Um, so they, they made a living. They made a killing out of it. And these were Jewish people, Jewish men, who were taking advantage of their Jewish neighbors. So it was, uh, they were considered traitors. Uh, you know, it's it basically white-collar criminal, I guess. Um, they were called traitors. They, when you see them in the New Testament, they're always mentioned as they're lumped in with sinners, tax collectors and sinners, or tax gatherers and sinners. And John's, John tells them, you know, collect no more than you are authorized to do, which, of course, is 
It's, it seems to me, I don't know, but it seems to me it's John's way of saying you, you can't do what you do anymore. Because if they do that and they only collect what Rome requires, well, then they can't make a living. They, 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 you know, they can't pay their bills. They have to go to another line of work. So just I don't know if that's what he's actually communicating or not, but it seems that way to me. Regardless, you don't take advantage of people. Don't be a traitor to your people. Soldiers, verse 14, also asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money. Here it is. Here we are with money again. Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations and be content with your wages. Imagine, you know, a lot of countries even today, the corrupt soldiers, the guys, are, they're, they've got power, they're armed. Um, you can run a protection racket. And, you, and there are countries you go to today and you have to basically bribe your way to get anything done. And it's because there's this is the way the way the culture is or whatever. And if it's not, if the laws aren't enforced, et cetera, um, you're forced to give money to the guys with the guns. You know, imagine back then you can see it's like they, they could be running a protection racket. Say, yeah, hey, it's a nice caravan you got there. Be a shame if something happened to it. Right. And they just when you give them a bag of money and they let you go on your way. Um, so John's saying you can't do that. You can't, be take, you can't be taking advantage of people and taking money from them. Be content with the wages that you get from the government or whoever was paying these soldiers. So change. That's the bottom line. That's his message to these people. Repent. Remember, we talked about repentance. Talked about changing direction. He's telling these people, look, God's coming. You need to get ready. You're not ready, so you need to change. In verse 15, as the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Christ, right? Is this the Messiah? This expectation, it's in the air. People are excited. They're excited about the Messiah, the Savior, the King, right? He's going to fix it all. That's the, that's kind of, it's like the air is vibrating with the expectation of the Messiah coming. So they're thinking, this, is he it? I mean, he's baptizing thousands of people. People are changing their lives, you know, because of him. Verse 16, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Um, John was a real deal, and he knew not to take glory for himself. Right? He, he had a captive audience. He could have called himself the Messiah if he wanted to, probably. Um, God would have killed him for it, but he could have... Um, but his job was to get people ready for God and to point people to Jesus. As a matter of fact, in the Gospel of John, um, when he sees Jesus, he points at him and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then his own, John's own, John the Baptist's own followers start leaving him to follow Jesus uh, because that's his job um, to point to Jesus. John was the voice like we talked about last time. John was the voice. Jesus is the word. John is a lamp, and Jesus is the fire. John was a sign on the side of the road in the wilderness, but Jesus is the destination. Don't ever listen to any preacher. Or don't listen to any preacher that isn't pointing to Jesus. Um, all right, we got to keep moving here. I want to get through this. Verse 17, his winnowing fork, now this is John still talking about 
the Messiah that's coming, the Christ that's coming. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. There's that fire again. John's a preacher of fire. Winnowing fork is just the way they did grain back then. You'd have a pile of grain on a hilltop, usually because the wind is blowing there, and you would thresh it. You would, you would thresh it and crunch it all up with threshing sledges, and then you would take this winnowing fork and you would toss the grain in the air. The wind would blow the chaff away, and the good stuff would fall down, right? So you'd have, that's how you'd have a whole kernel of grain. And the chaff or the shell stuff would kind of blow away. And that would get gathered up and just burned. So he, what he's saying is, you're all going to be divided up. You're going to be good grain, and you're going to be, or you're going to be chaff. So he's got. He's talking about this coming judgment, this imminent judgment that people are scared of. And um, it's interesting that, if, from his perspective, it's right around the corner. Like Christ is going to show up, and it's going to happen. So we'll get back to that in a minute. Let's finish this passage. Verse eighteen. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people, right? This is good news. It is good news because he's talking about the Messiah coming, right? You know, like it sounds scary a lot of it, but it's good news. That's what it's called, good news. Remember what good news is? It's gospel. That's where we get the word gospel. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people, but Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. He canceled John's preaching. He deplatformed him. He canceled him. Um, we talked about Herod before in a, I don't know, a few episodes ago. I think it was called Herods and High Priests. So we talked about all the Herods. And we talked about this guy locking up John. Which So we're not going to go back over that. But that's what it's referring to. right? But... Um, for the sake of this passage, is you have this great prophet of God, but he doesn't know it all, right? He doesn't know so that the judgment isn't right around the corner. It's later, right? It's coming later. There's a whole dispensation that John doesn't seem to know about, right? It's from Jesus dying on a cross, raising from the dead, and now this age that we're in, this covenant age that we're in. Um, when John was in jail, at one point, and we'll get to that in Luke again, but when John was in jail, he sends messengers to Jesus. And he says, are you the one? It's funny because John, is, he's there to point everybody to Jesus. Jesus shows up, that's him, that's the Messiah. And he, you know, he baptizes him, etc. And he knows it's the Messiah. And then later on, he gets thrown in jail. And then he doesn't see the world changing. He doesn't see judgment coming. He doesn't see the Romans overthrown. So John sends a message, are you the one? Are you the one or should we be looking for another? What's that tell you? John? John was God's official spokesperson on earth, and even he didn't know God's plan for the ages. Uh, this tells me that it's okay to not have all the answers. Yeah, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future, and I just have to remain faithful till he comes. So I think that's it for this time, guys. Next time, we're going to look at uh, Jesus getting baptized, right? Why? Why would Jesus get baptized for a baptism of repentance of sins? Does that make any sense? Why is he getting baptized? And the genealogy follows it right after that. What's God doing with the genealogy? This big, long genealogy in Luke. And hopefully we'll finish chapter 3 next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>